Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host, and we are going to start with part two. So we're going to pick up where we left off talking about the escape plan. So then we get to the assessment. And I do not want to focus on a standardized test because I think it is a small little part. I agree with you. I think for a lot of our kids, what is the Peabody going to tell you? More so than clinically what you can observe and see them do functionally. I think you'll gain a lot more out of that than you will necessarily a standardized test. I think there's flaws to every standardized test. There's gaps in it. I think they have their place, mostly to justify the insurance, but (laughs) yes, yes. But I think your clinical assessment is so much more important and valuable to really getting to the root of that primary deficit. And if you get hung up on a standardized test, that's where when we move into the plan and we see therapists writing goals, their goals look very straight off the Peabody, Mm -hmm. straight off the pot. (laughs) But the one thing that a standardized test will allow me to do is it does allow me sort of framework for my clinical assessment. So it does give me some kind of framework and then it does allow me some kind of benchmark and comparison, not the score part, but how the child does on the test. Like, So I'm clinically assessing as I am standardized assessing. So how do they respond? How fast does it take them to get there? How many trials do they have? Do they hear me the first time? If it's a test where I can repeat, you know, all that stuff. So really my clinical assessment is what I really rely and trust, but I'm doing that as I'm doing the standardized assessment. But the standardized assessment does give me some kind of framework. It does. Sometimes where they fall short is the quality, especially Uh with motor tests, the quality of the movement, the how they do it. So I think that's where our clinical skills come in so much stronger. I think you said a huge mouthful because for speech, at least up until age three, quality is not really assessed that much. It's quantity. So if a child can say a certain number of words and they can combine words together, they can identify objects. They're sort of looking at pictures. They can follow general directions. If you have a checkbox on all those, you're doing pretty decent on a standardized assessment. But quantity is really what's assessed. And then after three, then you really start to get quality. So I really look at that quality stuff prior to age three. And that really comes a lot from my clinical assessment and what I know because there's no speech assessment out there that I found that all that really for any age, but especially birth to three. I don't think there's any that does a great, great job because it just checks the box. And so I look at that a lot with kids, quality versus quantity, because I don't care if you're using 10 words if they have no functional meaning. Okay, you can do 10 words, but if they don't help you communicate and you're still having a tantrum and falling out on the floor, what good are those 10 words? None. Mm-hmm. So that was my soapbox on that one. So now we're moving on to P, which is the plan. So the goal is the beginning of the session, you've met this family, met this little person, you've heard their story, you've heard the parents' concerns, you've done your assessment, you're ending up, if you're a PT or OT, you're 45 minutes at speech, you're ending up your hour, you got to be able to synthesize that. you got to be able to take all that information, bring it together, mix it up, and come up with a plan. And your plan has to be and encompass what mm-hmm. the concerns were. And if you're not hitting the parents' concerns, you miss the mark. Mm-hmm. Or you need to circle back around, like you said, and explain to them how we have to do and meet certain other stepping stones to get to that long-term goal that they are looking for, or why other intermediate steps are appropriate and necessary for that child's development and what that impact has on the child. Because that's our role is to educate and to help the parents to understand. So 
we need to make sure that we are doing that piece and explaining to them. Now, I don't generally have my goals written out Mm-mm. like verbatim Mm-mm. right then and there, but I can generally say to a parent, okay, so we're going to have a goal for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You good with that? We're going to have a goal that will address this because that's touching on one of your primary concerns. We're going to have a goal for this. So I can go over my goal plan with them so they know what I'm writing a plan of care for. We see a lot of times that the therapist does an evaluation and the parent has no idea what the child's goals are. Well, that's not okay. Yeah. And that's our E part. They have to exit feeling better than when they got there. And if they have no concept of what they did, you haven't made anything better. In fact, you really have made it worse because now They've they just have more them- questions. Right. And we've left them unresourceful. Yeah. If we've let them walk out of yep. the door and we haven't told them that their child needs therapy mm-hmm. or that they need it once a week versus twice a week mm-hmm. or how long they need it for or what the general goal plan is going to be, we have not done our job and left them resourceful. There are certain insurances where you are able to bill a treatment immediately following an evaluation. TRICARE would be one of them. They mm-hmm. approve eval and treatment. The expectation during every evaluation that I do is that I'm beginning to help that parent on day one. So until they get back on my schedule, which should be the very next week, then I need to start getting them started in the home now because I feel like with a child, every day is another day lost and we want to get them on the right track. And so that's really why we need to start a home program right from the time of the evaluation. So even though you're doing some evaluative things, you are still stepping into a treatment by educating them, by pointing out things during the evaluation or by giving a suggestion of something to work on at home. Exactly. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to have all the right answers. So at the end of the eval, I can sort of figure out, okay, these are the parents' concerns. This is what I saw. This is what the child can do. Because I always start with the positive. What can they do? Here's the areas of concerns, the big areas I want to work on. So I have a general goal plan. I do it exactly what you just said. I don't have my goals verbatim written out. I paraphrase what I'm working on, but then my goals are going to match that later. And then I always tell them, your child would benefit from some speech therapy. I would recommend twice a week. If you're not really sure, hey, this should be better once, is this better twice, go ahead and start them at twice a week. If it's not right, you can change it later. Nobody says it like you signed it in blood. You can change your plan of care. You can change your frequency. If you improve it one time a week, sometimes it's hard to go up because they're like, why do you need twice a week? Once a week should be getting it taken care of. If you're out there and you're thinking, I'm not really sure sometimes if it's once or twice, then go ahead and recommend the twice and then you can always change it. If you get an idea about the general goals and you, as you get to do therapy, you're like, oh my gosh, this child can do all these things. Change your goals. I mean, you shouldn't really have that happen if you've heard the parents' concerns and you really got a good picture of the child. But, you know, it's not signed in blood. You can change stuff later. And I think it's really important with what you're saying about the plan and how many times a week you're going to see them. So I think what we do at PDT that really sets us apart because we do take a lot into consideration working in an outpatient practice We make sure that therapists are educated on different insurances because not that insurance should ever drive your plan of care. It should not. But you need to be aware of what insurance approves and the recommendations you're making to the family because it does factor into can they afford to come in twice a week with a $50 copay per visit? Is that realistic? you would still write your plan of care what you clinically recommend. So you would still make a plan of care that says, yes, I recommend your child needs twice a week. But you also have to circle around and have a discussion with them to say, you know, I'm recommending your child needs services two times a week. But your insurance only covers 30 speech visits for your year and your year ends on this date. 
So after that, we have enough visits to get to the end of December for twice a week right now. But after that, we're going to have to look at come January 1, should your child still need services, Mm -hmm. we're going to have to look at then, are we going to have to adjust the plan of care? Mm -hmm. So that sort of goes along with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And really, you look so much more knowledgeable as a therapist having that discussion. We hear a lot of time from therapists say, well, gosh, I just am not going to know all the answers. I don't know all the right things to do. You know what? You're never going to know all the answers. Never, ever. So if you think so, just stop it right there. The parent is always the expert on their child. It's their child. Mm-hmm. They are the expert. You always want to listen and hear them. But you are the gross motor expert, the fine motor expert, the speech and language expert in the room. That's what you went to school for. Again, that doesn't mean you know it all because you don't. But it does mean that you have got an idea about this particular area. So use that. Listen to their concerns. They're the parent. And then build your plan and move on. That's really it. But have a plan when they leave. Tell them what they need. You need speech. You don't need speech. You need PT. You don't need PT. Once a week, twice a week, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, you tell them. And I think it's really important, too, to set a time frame to it. Plans could always change. But if you're saying, you know, I anticipate we're going to make the plan for the next six months. Well, then come around at six months. So they know at six months there's going to be some sort of discussion about moving forward. Because what happens is sometimes in the clinic, if a child's been receiving services with us for two years ongoing, and there's been no plan about discharge or no plan about decrease of services, then all of a sudden when time comes to do that, the parent is completely thrown off guard. There's been no ongoing discussion and they get mad. Exactly. You have to inform them and you need to be clear and concrete in your communication with them. But if there's an expectation from the beginning that, hey, we're partners in this for the next six months, we're going to go at this really hard, this is what we're going to do, here's the plan, you've laid it all out for them, they should in six months be expecting you to come back around and have a discussion. So here we've done this, this, and this. Are we missing something? Do you have any other concerns? Or, yeah, I do. Here, he can't do this, this, and this. Now we need to make a whole other plan. Plans change. Hmm. Or, no, I think we're good. Great. Then if anything comes up, you know where to find us. Call us back. Exit should always be on your mind. It should also be on their radar because people do, especially when they've come from other providers, other practices. We constantly have people moving, you know, out of state and just with the clientele that we have being in a military area. But if they're, you know, 14 and they've been receiving services from the time they were an Mm. itty bitty baby, their expectation is very different. And so now Mm. we have to do a whole mindset shift with them because Mm. that's not how we deliver services at PDT. No. And once they get to a certain age, you have to have, okay, what skill are we working on here? So they have to have an area they're working on. Let's get that better and then move on because at some point there is an exit. There is an end. There should always be an exit and an end. And you should always have that in mind. In my opinion, you should never continue the goals from time to time to time. They should not continue. If you haven't made progress on those goals, either, okay, you got a bad goal plan or you're not communicating with the family. Something's up. A child should not be the same place they were. Mm-hmm. After six months of therapy, they should be better. Absolutely. Right. And we also have to look at, too, especially from a physical therapy standpoint, we then have to determine, is what we're doing skilled intervention or is this something that we can now teach the caregiver to do mm-hmm. and we're maintaining? So we really have to be careful to assess, what am I doing now? 
totally. So a lot of times I've heard people say, oh, well, the family's just not carrying through with their home program. They're just not carrying through. And I'll hear this more from motor than I will speech, but I'm not pointing fingers or anything. Truly, I'm not. I just hear that more. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, well you know how I put my home program. I know. I know. Like I, in your daily life, like, what does your day look like? <laughs> no, I've learned this from you. So I'm like, if you've given the family 20 exercises to do, that is just not realistic. Everybody knows that between the hours of 4 and 7 p.m. are witching hours. Nobody's happy. Nothing this- is happening during that time. No, everybody's hungry. They're all tired. It's just not pretty. So if you've given them 20 exercises, stop and pick one or two <laughs> tops. If you give me 20 things to do, I'm like, I'm out. This is a no for me. It's just too hard. You can't do that. But that's why they're coming to us. They're coming to, okay, what is the one thing, realistically, we go back to that CAN. So we're giving you two acronyms today, the ESCAPE mm-hmm. and the CAN, because part of the plan is the home program. We have to do the home program. And we'll talk about this too in other podcasts because mm-hmm. we feel very strongly about that. But CAN, the home program, it should be clear, mm-hmm. it should be achievable, and it should be noteworthy. And it's got to be simple. And the noteworthy thing comes from the simplicity. It is so clear. It is so achievable. It's so simple. The family can remember what they did and they can tell you about it when they get back next week. That's the noteworthy part. They can take notes mentally or physically or however they take notes, but they can tell you what happened with the note home program. So our eval, the whole plan of our eval follows this whole escape. E-S-C-A-P-E. And the E is exit, meaning like, Okay. Get them out of therapy. And they have to leave with a exit plan knowing, okay, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to do. This is what I'm going to help you work on. You and I, we're in this together. Let's go. Here we go. And you get buy-in and right there, start today. And I never have them leave a vow that I'll say, so here's what I want you to work on this week at home. Right. And we have a green home program pad that we mm-hmm. encourage and use every single session. But if you set that expectation up from the beginning, they're already like, oh, this is how this works. I'm going to get something to do every time I come in here. Yep, that's how this works from day one. Exactly. I did it this week with two brand new therapists starting out. Evaluations. Where's the green pads? We need the green pad. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> if nothing else, you're writing down their next appointment. Yep. So if you have no idea what to write on that green paper and you are like, I don't even know what they're supposed to do, write down their next appointment. Just get used to using that green sheet because the expectation is that's going home every single session. I did it this week as well with the whole thing and said, especially, and it's got to be very simple. So that's our escape plan. That's our avow plan. I just got an email about this this week about, hey, how do you do a parent intake and what do you do for the parent intake and all that stuff? There's no big checklist. There's not one out there. It can't exist because it's all in real time today and you got to figure that out. That's what your whole eval is. So it's the escape plan. If you follow that, you will be successful. So the E is for exit. The S is for the story, five to seven minutes. The C is for the concerns, parents' concerns. They're the expert on their child. Listen to them. That's a huge part of the assessment. A is the assessment, the standardized test, and your clinical assessment. If you notice, my voice went up on that one. That's what's the important part. The P (laughs) is for the plan. You have to leave with a plan. You have to have a plan by the time that child leaves so that you can tell the parent, here's yes, no to therapy, and this is the number of times, and this is what I want to work on. And E is for exit. You should always think about the exit plan. Let's get better. This whole thing is about helping this child get better. So you really want to make sure you've communicated to this family. Oh, you, me, we're together. We're in this. I'm in it with you, and we're going to help this child get better and exit so you You don't need me anymore. That's why I'm here. Nobody said everything was going to be easy and that only the kids who have just easy, whatever that means, issues come in. I mean, hey, some of these kids need us and get that exciting. And then that's the cool part. When you help the kids who have some real stumbling blocks, that's what's exciting about this job. That's why we keep coming to work every day. So yeah, some of these are hard. So some of them are 10 out of 10s, but that's more fun. We are not a practice where you can just come in and 
oh, I want to see that one. But no, oh, that, no. One's, that one's no. too hard. That's not how we I'm do like, things. Mm-mm. Number one, it's not going to increase your knowledge and skill set as a therapist. Mm-mm. And why would you do that? Mm. How, <laughs> how boring. Yes. No, that's not what we do. So, hey, meet them where they are with a challenge. Whatever. What can they do? What are they having some issues with? Meet them where they are and let's help it get better every day. 1% better than we were yesterday. And that's the exit. That's the plan. That's Small the, steps. Mm-hmm. There you go. So that's it, people. The escape. We'll put that on our show notes, what each one of those words mean. Tackle hearted vows. You need to simplify it. We've simplified it for you with mm-hmm. escape. Tackle hard vows. Go do an escape room. Tackle a hard escape room. Mm-hmm. Evals- yes. If you just follow the escape, E-S-C-A-P-E, really, you will be successful, like I said earlier. So that acronym will be on our show notes with the words out next to it. And so there you go. That's it. For however long I've been doing this gig, really, I've been following that. I just didn't have the acronym set up, but now we do. So there you go. So thank you, Kirsty, for helping me talk about this today. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody, for spending some time with Kirsty and I today. We appreciate it. And you can check out other podcasts on theworkingtherapist.com, also on our website, pediatricdt.com. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can check it out there. Lots of different topics to help OTs, PT, speech professionals overall. So check it out. Lots of good stuff, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 